So these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn of the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had survived captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been broken down and the gates have been burned. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. And then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who obey him, or love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying day and night for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you, Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, laws, and regulations you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you sin, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. We are your servants the people you rescued by your great power and might. O oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success now as I go to ask the king for a great favor. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. So that uh, just kind of helps set the stage a little bit, the context of what we're going to be talking about, Nehemiah's life, just uh, to maybe back up a little bit to give you a, a, a context of where Nehemiah is in history. Um, some of you might know the, the story of Esther. Anyone remember the story of Queen Esther in the Bible? Well, Esther is uh, King Artaxerxes, who Nehemiah is serving. Esther is King Artaxerxes' stepmom, if you will. Um, King Artaxerxes that we're talking about here was the son of Xerxes. Xerxes was the one who uh, looked and found Esther, and she became queen because Vashti had, uh, had blown it with the king there and stuff. You know the story. But anyway, so there's Esther and then Xerxes. Another, uh, another point of uh, maybe pop culture for you in Xerxes, anyone ever seen the movie 300? Uh, you know the story 300. The Persian emperor who came to you know, conquer, conquer the world, got stuck there fighting the 300, but it was Xerxes who was the king at that time and leading the army. And then this is Artaxerxes is who Nehemiah is serving. So just a little tidbit of history. The, the timetable that this plays out is roughly 445 B.C. 445 B.C., probably a, a dozen years earlier is the story of Ezra. And Ezra has gone back to Jerusalem. And Ezra goes to um, rebuild the, the temple, the altar, really, to, to do the altar, the temple. And yet the city is, at this point, a dozen years later, is, is still in shambles. It's still an embarrassment. And so, um, anyways, that's kind of some of the history here. So, um, got Artaxerxes there. Nehemiah gets news from people who had come back from Judah and from Jerusalem. And um, we'll, we'll go from there. That kind of sets the stage here. Really, uh, just want to draw something out of this passage right here, these two verses here. It's when um, 
Nehemiah asked, How's it, how'd it go back when you, when you were back home in Judah? How'd it go? What was going on there? And he said, they told him, things are not going well. Things are not going well there. Go on to say they're in great trouble and disgrace. Some would say shame. They're in great shame. The wall has been broken down and destroyed. By fire, and, and the gate's been destroyed by fire. And when he heard this, he sat down and wept. You know, this report came to Nehemiah. Now, it wasn't the first time Nehemiah had heard, oh, Jerusalem got sacked and walls destroyed. So he, he had known that. That's why they were all in exile in another land. But they had sent people back, and they had start, tried to get the ball rolling with uh, rebuilding Jerusalem and, and kind of resetting up their, their culture in the land. And uh, I don't know if he hadn't heard word in a while of how it was going with Ezra, a friend of his. Um, but when he heard this, it just seems like it crushed him. You know, and really that's one of the first things we want to talk about here is that Nehemiah experienced a breakdown. He heard this news and he just sat down and wept. Sometimes when we're looking for breakthroughs, sometimes when we look at heroes in the Bible, we think, he's a hero. Nehemiah's got 12 chapters devoted to him. He's a hero. How could he have had a breakdown? He had a huge breakdown. He heard this news and it's just like it knocked the wind out of him. He sat down and just started crying. Can you imagine that? But one of the things we wanted to draw out of that is, is just to realize this, that sometimes God allows us to experience a breakdown before he gives us a breakthrough. He lets our heart get broken. He lets it get so bad that something has got to happen after that. And, and Nehemiah, I think he had good intentions. He had hopes of things that would happen in Judah and Jerusalem. But when he heard this news, it just broke his heart. He had some sort of breakdown, if you will. And, um, and we need to realize that's okay. Sometimes it takes a breakdown before God can do what he wants to do. Sometimes we fight the breakdowns. If you're like me, I hate crying. I hate tears in public, in private. I, I, happy cries, happy tears I'm all right with. Ugly crying I don't really like, you know, but that's sometimes, sometimes there's something about that that's good for the soul. And we look to God in a way that we don't otherwise. And so I think that's what Nehemiah did here. And, you know, Webster's defines breakthrough like this. Um, it's an act or an instance of moving through or beyond an obstacle. They don't use the word breaking, but it's like breaking through an obstacle, moving beyond, getting past something that's holding you up. And, and that's what we're talking about here and getting a breakthrough. Um, you know, so a couple questions just to, to get you all thinking about this. But what's, what's been breaking your heart lately? What's going on in your world that's breaking your heart? Another way to ask it is, is what are you getting sick and tired of? It's same old risotto over and over and over again. And have you gotten sick and tired of that enough to create change, to create action that might be needed? Um, other things, what, what do you want to see change? Maybe you know what it is. You've been trying, you've been thinking, but maybe that breakthrough is you already know. You've been trying for weeks, months, years. Um, sometimes these breakthroughs might be personal breakthroughs, things in your own heart, your, your, your life, relationships with others, maybe relationships with God. Um, those are three major areas, yourself, with others, and with God. Maybe there's a breakthrough that needs to happen. And you know, maybe if it's something that, maybe it's not breaking your heart, but you know, this is breaking God's heart. It's probably breaking his heart more, what's going on in my life or my marriage or my home, 
then, then it's breaking my heart. But maybe it's time I think Nehemiah connected fully with what was breaking God's heart in a way that he had not before. Other ways, uh, financially, we might be needing breakthroughs or habits in our lives. We know I've been trying to quit that habit. I know that I, I'm a child of, of God. I'm trying to follow Jesus. He's my master, and yet I know there's another area of my life that masters me, an area that I cannot say no to. Maybe it's time to get a breakthrough in that, in that habit. Maybe it's health-related breakthrough where you go, I've been fighting this, I've been fighting this, and I just need God to do something. Maybe it's a breakthrough in character. There's a character area that you go, you know what, a lot of things are going good, but this area here, my temper is just, I just can't get a handle on it. Or my discipline, my self-control, whatever it is. But um, what is breaking your heart? What needs to be breaking your heart? Maybe you go, yeah, my life, my heart, my act's together pretty good here. Um, but God's breaking your heart with something going on in your community, something you're aware of, something, some needs that are happening, some things that should not be, and, and it's time to take action. Things that are going on in our, our nation, our culture, things that are going on in the world. My hope is that one of the things we're going to accomplish this morning and this week is to identify. Maybe it's things going on in our church. I want to share with you some things that we're praying for as a church to see God do some breakthroughs, some things together. You know, my hope is that we come away from this series and everybody here sees God come through in amazing ways and that we'd be a church full of people and they're just by putting us together as a bunch of breakthroughs. But also as a church, we operate as one body where we work together. We have many parts, one body, Christ is the head. And what is the breakthrough he would lead us as a body into? Got some thoughts on that we'll share here. But um, just uh, so the action step for us all here is identify an area that you need a breakthrough in. And that's one of your assignments this week. That's your homework assignment. And I want to share a couple things with you that uh, I remember probably eight to ten years ago, I, I've lost track of it now, but uh, I was asked to speak at a marriage conference up in Estes Park and several hundred couples were there and they, they asked if I would speak because um, I had experienced a breakthrough. I'd seen God do a breakthrough and, and they asked just to share the story. But the story started maybe a couple years before that, back when we first started the Firehouse Church here in Denver, back in the Highlands neighborhood, 2004. Um, we'd come from a college ministry in Fort Collins and and I was extremely busy working with single people and college-age people. And our church had a group that grew to be four and 500 people in the college world. And I was working full-time in that. And uh, my wife was spending time with women and discipling them. I was working with men. And then we took a team of graduates down to Denver. They couldn't find jobs. We said, why don't we start another church down in Denver? And we, we explored the land one summer. Everyone got jobs at Elitch's. Um, <laughs> Half the people survived their summer there, and, and half, uh, half were, you know, did not know them. But uh, anyways, by the time we were done, we felt like God wanted us to plant a church in the heart of Denver with this group of working singles, and it was a small group of people. Uh, it was much smaller than the group we have here today, um, and, and we began working. But one of the things that was different, that I had been so involved and saturated in ministry, I was busy all the time. I worked 60 to 80 hours. There were times, I remember a stretch that I was out of town or gone for like three weeks straight from my family on mission trips, on pastor conferences, and uh, it was just crazy. But we moved to Denver, uh, the busyness settled down, and we moved from this large house, we, we moved from Fort Collins, I, I should say, from a large house in Fort Collins to a little itty-bitty apartment in the heart of Denver for probably twice the price of what we were paying in Fort Collins. And 
and it was my wife and I, and we had two kids, two little ones here, and uh, not too long after that, another little one showed up. We don't know what was going on there, but um, we went from this real busy world to this world that wasn't really busy, and, and my office was in my closet at home, and we're in this little tiny house, a bunch of kids showing up, and there was a lot going on, and I thought we came to Denver to plant a church, you know, and God had another plan. He had a plan to bring us to Denver to work on our marriage, to, to fix some things. I remember we would have some heated arguments sometimes. We spent a lot of time together. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. We spent so much time. I used to have an office. We didn't get a lot of time together. We were glad to be together. Now we had so much time. It's like, can you just, can you go on a prayer walk? Please go. Just <laughs> pray for something outside of the house, you know. And, uh, but we had some conflict. We had some patterns that started developing. We would get into some arguments. Sometimes, I remember one night when the kids were in bed. It was late at night. I don't even remember what we were arguing about. But it escalated. The argument got more and more heated. And we both had been raising our voices and lost our tempers. And at one point, I just remember Morgan, my wife, just saying, I'm leaving. And she went to the door, and she slammed it. It shook the entire apartment complex. And she left. And and I was just standing there going, oh, this is a big deal. Where are you leaving to? Are you leaving town? Are you leaving the state? Are you leaving our marriage? Where, where are you leaving to? And it just rocked my world. And I remember getting on the phone with my co-pastor. I was a pastor at the time. Um, and I called my co-pastor, and I said, uh, Rick, we had a big fight. She said she's leaving. I don't know where she is. She wouldn't return my calls. Rick and Eva were calling her. She didn't return their calls. And I'm just like, I don't even know if my wife's coming back. And, and she did. Found out she went to the movies and watched something there. And she didn't want to respond just for the sake of keeping me captive. Um, but eventually, we started meeting with, with my co-pastor. And we started learning some lessons and identifying some patterns and getting some breakthroughs. But you know what? Um, it wasn't until we had a few breakdowns that God led us into some amazing breakthroughs. And I don't know what's breaking down in your world or what should be breaking down that maybe you're fighting it off still and you need to just get honest, have a breakdown of some sort, let some tears flow, whatever it is in your world. Mine, there was times when it was marriage, there was times when it was finances, and I want you just to be thinking about whatever that is. As a church, I want to let you know some things we're trying to pray about. You know, we've been down here, um, I think it's about just over a year and a half. We, we opened the doors for a grand opening here at this location, February like 27th two years ago when we get to February. And we've been plugging away, but we're at a place where we did a fundraiser to get here. And there were people from our Highlands location and people here who said, hey, look, we know we don't have enough money to start a whole church and cover all its expenses, but we're going to do a fundraiser, raise funds to, to cover you for about two years. And then we're going to trust that God's going to bring you people who see this as their home church, and we're all going to pitch in together on, on the finances and all of the above that has to happen. And we're about, uh, got about three, four months left of, of that fund, and we're at a place where we have about half of our budget covered currently through people who have seen this as their home and, and participate financially in helping out with that, but we've got about half of the budget to go still. That's one of the breakthroughs we're praying through. But we're not just praying for, God, we just need more finances, we need a better budget. You know, one of the breakthroughs we're praying for is that as a church, we better meet the needs of our neighbors that we are meeting needs, we're meeting people and finding out where hurts are and where healing is needed and where, where we can pray with people, where people who are looking to help out and give them something to join in. And, and we're at a place where we are seeking God for a breakthrough in this neighborhood. 
As a part of that, I've been knocking on doors, uh, 4,000 doors in the neighborhood's my target. I got about 1,000 plus 400 to go, about 1,400 to go here, hoping in the next couple weeks to accomplish that. Um, I've been sending out a mailer here to, to invite people to join us as we seek God for breakthroughs. We've been praying for breakthroughs where we can help meet someone in their felt needs and bring the good news of Jesus Christ to them and how he can change their lives, change their destiny, change things going on in the here and now. Um, we need a breakthrough with those opportunities. It's been slow going. It seems like the, we, we thought we'd just come to town and everyone would want to hear about Jesus and they'd all want to get baptized and become disciples and we wouldn't know we'd have to move into a, a larger facility. Um, haven't had that problem yet. But we need a breakthrough and opportunities to share the gospel and opportunities to be disciples and make disciples and we need a breakthrough financially. So I invite you guys to see that on your radar screen as well as whatever God's putting on your heart personally here. But the first thing was Nehemiah experienced a breakthrough. Next thing we're going to look at here is this. Um, you know, it says, in fact, he, for days he mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. One of the points we want to draw out from Nehemiah's example here is that simply this, Nehemiah prayed to prepare the way for the breakthrough that God wanted to bring about. Nehemiah prayed. And, you know, we can maybe have a, a couple different thoughts to that. Um, one of the things we need to know is that this prayer in chapter 1 of Nehemiah set some plans into motion that would bring about radical reformation back in Jerusalem and Judah. And um, it would bring bring back their, their good name, the reputation they had. It would really bring the glory back to Jerusalem. Instead, it was in shame. But it was this, thing, this prayer that we're going to look at here in chapter 1 that I believe set God's plan into motion, that engaged God's gracious and powerful hand to act here. And so, um, you know, I think some of the breakthroughs we need, they're not just more self-discipline, more uh, willpower, more something, self-denial. We need God to break through in ways that we cannot. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Um, so here's one, something else to remember here. Sometimes, again, it takes a breakdown. We've got to break down in order to cause us to look up, to really look up. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. I'm sure of it. I'm sure he prayed many times, but something happened in this experience that caused him to grieve and to fast and to pray. And, and prayer is going to be a huge part of preparing the way. For what God would do here. Now, there's a couple responses, you know. So we must we must pray to prepare the way for a God-given breakthrough. We can look for other breakthroughs, other ways. Sometimes people, for some different motivations, for the sake of money, for the sake of something, you can you can do anything for 40 days, or if, you, if there's enough money in it or enough glory in it, you can do some things for a short period of time. But there's some things that we cannot do, no matter how hard we try, and we need a God-given breakthrough. And that's we're talking about praying for that. Now, some of you might go great, a series on breakthroughs, and, and you're bringing up prayer. Uh, really? Prayer is going to, you know, has it come to that? Prayer again? Um, different prayer? Seriously? I want my money back. Uh, it's going to be a breakthrough campaign. What, what's prayer? I mean, come on. Someone else might say, hey, man, maybe you're not familiar with prayer and a relationship with God and how he can respond in miraculous ways. That might be what you're thinking. Well, okay, that, that's a new idea. What, what is this all about? Some of you might say this, I've already tried that. I've been praying for years, and I've got no breakthrough in this. Well, 
I think the point of what we're going to get here is we're going to look at a few specific facets of prayer. And, and Nehemiah's example that I believe engaged God's supernatural hand to break through on some things that weren't otherwise going to happen here. So I don't know where you're coming from when it comes to prayer. Been there, done that, familiar, haven't done that in a while. Um, but I think God wants to teach us some things here, even from Nehemiah's example. So we'll keep, um, keep looking at that, his, some specifics about that here. So again, same verse. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. You know, the, the blank we have here is Nehemiah prayed seriously. Nehemiah got serious. He was grieving, and he began fasting and praying. So we're, we're going to be praying, seeking God to pray more seriously. We can pray more seriously by fasting. Some of you may know what fasting is. Some of you may not. Webster's defines it as abstaining from food. So Nehemiah, I believe, started going without food. It's hard to tell. It doesn't say exactly how long he went, but... Um, Kids are having fun in the gym. Wowzers. All right. They are having some breakthroughs out there. All right. Make sure Morgan's not having a breakdown. Um, but uh, we can pray more seriously by fasting. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Again, it's going without food. Sometimes it's going without something else, something, some of the comforts we've come to experience in life, some of the conveniences. But I'm pretty sure Nehemiah went without food for a while and, and prayed and he mourned and he didn't eat. I'm sure he had water. I think you can only go three days without water, but you can go 40 days without food. And he got real serious. And, um, you know, I just want to talk about thinking about that real quick. We're not going to say, hey, once you leave here, step out of here fast or don't come back, you know, because most, I, I don't know, I have to talk my wife into coming back. We did that. But, uh, um, but I want you to think about that. You know, a um, few things fasting, fasting does, it humbles us. David said at one point, he said, um, you know, I humbled myself with, with fasting and prayer. And, and something about fasting, when you go without food, I start to go, wow, I skipped lunch, and I feel like I'm the worst human being alive, and I just want to, like, I just feel so weak. I feel so, uh, skip a day, and you go, man, I am, I, I'm a terrible person, I think. I mean, it's something simple. Just take my food away from me. And... And I feel weak. I feel how much it impacts me. And I feel how much I need God because I was taking a lot of comfort in my food, you know. And there's something about it that humbles us. There's something about it that gives us a focus. When you skip a meal or you skip something while you're praying, it, there's a hunger that it develops. It, it gives us a hunger for, hey, you know, um, I've got this hunger. I'm not eating. But it's because I want to have a greater hunger for God. I want God to, a hunger for God to break through in this area. And I'm, I'm experiencing a physical hunger in order to bring about a spiritual hunger. It gives us a, a hunger, a focus, a, a dependence. Um, it also shows earnestness with God. You know, uh, sometimes we can pray, God, I really want you to break through. And God's like, yeah, I know you do, but you don't. Um, and so fasting brings an earnestness. It's like if you've ever bought or sold a house. Anyone ever had to put earnest money down? Anyone? No? Nobody? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone ever lose your earnest money? I hope not. The deal of earnest money is, hey, you're not just, you know, trying to get this house off the market and do your things. You've got to put some money down. And if you don't follow through on this transaction, we get your money. And you're earnest enough to put some money down. 
and it speaks in our world, but I think it speaks with God too. There's several verses where God says he, he rewards those. Hebrews 11.6 uh, says, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You must come to him. Um, you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Another place it talks about Elijah, it said, um, and it goes on to say, the earnest prayer of a righteous man availeth, availeth much, has great power and effect. Uh, there's something about earnestness that God goes, you know, this person's serious. They're going without something here, something that they would rather have, something that they've looked to maybe as God before. Maybe it's not that serious, but it shows an earnestness. And Nehemiah, I think, showed an earnestness to get a breakthrough, to get God to respond to his prayer here. And I, I think we need to do that as well. And so, um, you know, um, one of our assignments here, you know, again, how serious are you about getting a breakthrough? Do you kind of sort of want to? But it's not that big of a deal. Like fasting, are you, you know, no, 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 that's, I'm not there yet. Um, how serious are you for a breakthrough? What are you willing to go without is another way of asking that question. Another action step here is determine. Determine how serious you are. What are you willing to go without in this season that we begin to seek God for a breakthrough? You're willing to go without food. Maybe it's go without coffee. Maybe it's go without uh, beer. Maybe it's go without TV, entertainment. Maybe it's go without Checking your, you know, savings accounts every day and looking to God for that, your security. Whatever it is, what are you willing to go without? Something that find, you find comfort in now, you find security in. Determine what that is. And I'm not even saying you've got to start today fasting and praying about this. Our assignment today is just identify what's that area and what's it worth to me. What am I willing to do here? Because Nehemiah showed he was willing to mourn and fast and pray it doesn't say how long, but it seems like for a significant amount of time. And so that's just an assignment here. How serious are you to get a breakthrough? Next thing we're going to look at here is, uh, so he prayed, and he prayed seriously. This one here, you know, we'll just look at this one verse. But as he was praying, he said, I confess that I've sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, the decrees, regulations you gave us through your servant Moses. So we need to pray seriously, but we also need to pray righteously. That's the word I put down here. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Um, but there's something about the prayer of a righteous man that has great effect, that availeth much, I think one translation says. And Nehemiah prayed righteously. We're going to look at a couple facets of how we can pray righteously here. You know, the first one is... Um, it says he confessed. You know, confess, if you boil it down to its essence, means to agree with God. We agree with God about sin is, God, you're right. I have sinned. I agree with you, God. You say we've all sinned. I agree with you, God. You say this is sin. I confess, or I, I'm sinning. I'm not doing what you've called me to. But we have to confess sin in our lives if we're going to be praying righteously here. Um, I just want to list a couple areas of how... Um, how maybe we can confess things we might think about. Um, one is, is simply this. You know, Nehemiah says, uh, let's see if we look where he has this here. He says, we've not obeyed the commands, the laws, the regulations you gave. He, he went on to say, you said if we sin, I'm going to scatter you. And, and Nehemiah just says, Lord, I confess, we've sinned. We've done that. We are now scattered. You say if you do this, this is going to happen. You're right, Lord, I agree with you. Here we are. And what I've found is that when it comes to breakthroughs, 
whether it's with finances, relationships, whatever it is, often breakthroughs are needed because there's been a breakdown in us obeying God's word. In marriage breakdowns, in marriage, th- marriage, if you need a breakthrough, I needed a breakthrough is because I wasn't obeying what God said and living with my wife in a considerate and understanding way. She was not obeying God's call on her to live, to respect her husband. And we had some of these things. We were having problems because we weren't obeying what God said to do. With finances, God has certain ways we honor him with our finances. We're to obey him. Time after time again, I would say without, without uh, exception, I've seen financial breakdowns have to do with people not obeying God when it comes to their finances. We're something to think about. So whatever area you are hoping for a breakthrough in, we need to get back and go, what does God say about that area and how am I doing? Because Nehemiah said, Lord, let's get honest here. I'm not doing so hot there. Um, and so he confessed being out of line. Another thing we might think about is that um, it might have to do with uh, this. This kind of maybe speaks more to our faith, somewhere between our faith and confessing sin. But sometimes our sin has to do with our view of God. We have a little itty-bitty view of God. I love Nehemiah. He prays, he prays here to the Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. You and I, sometimes we pray to the God who we've been there, done that with for a long time, haven't actually seen him answer a specific prayer in a while. We have this little familiar view. You know, it says familiarity breeds contempt. Many of us can have a contemptuous view of God because we haven't seen change in an area for a while. And we just have kind of decided there's got to be a better way because my, my God can't do that, or at least he hasn't yet. You might need to repent if you have a familiar view of God. If you don't think God can change whatever area you're thinking of, you might find that your thoughts are out of line with his thoughts about who he really is. Something to think about there. Or an inaccurate view. Maybe you just don't know God all that well at all and you need to get to know who he is. But all of that can be a part of confessing God. I admit, I've been in unbelief. I don't believe you can do this. And that's why I'm stuck maybe. Whatever it is, we need to get honest with them. Another thing is part of a righteous prayer. Um, throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, it says a righteous man lives by faith. There's something about your faith that brings righteousness into your life. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we exchange our sin for his righteousness. Something in, in prayers, there's something about having faith that God responds to. Nehemiah prayed. He confessed sin, but he also said, Lord, and you said, by the way, you said, if you turn back to me, I'll bring you back to the place where my name is to be honored. And he claimed a promise, and he had a big view of God. And if you and I are going to pray righteously, sometimes people will pray seriously. Lord, I'll, I'll stop doing something for 40 days. And the something might be hard to give up, but the something is not that sin area. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to go without food for 40 days, but I'm going to be looking at things on the Internet or on my phone that would shame you. And they're praying seriously, but they're not playing righteously. Nehemiah prayed seriously, and he prayed righteously. He confessed sin, his sin. He uh, confessed faith. He claimed faith at the same time. That's how you you and I could pray righteously. Confess anything that's going on wrong. Because, you know, this breakthrough is is God responding to our prayers. It's God coming through. And and God responds to our prayers. Sometimes we've got to have a clear channel with God. We've got to have no unfinished business with God. We can ask for a breakthrough, and we've got a pink elephant in the room. Some of us uh, 
have a lot of pink elephants. We don't like engaging with pink elephants. We just go, like, hey, you know, I've coexisted with this thing for years, and I just kind of got used to it. But God, he doesn't coexist with pink elephants. He's like, we got some unfinished business here. You want a breakthrough? I want you to obey. I want you to have faith. I want you to at least humble yourself here, and then let's talk breakthrough. We need to make sure we're, we're praying righteously here. Um, last thing we're going to look at, let's look at this last verse in the passage here. But, um, oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. You might guess what the blank is here. Nehemiah prayed specifically. Nehemiah got real specific. We're going to need to make some specific requests to God if we're going to get a breakthrough. One thing I've learned over the years as a pastor and just following Christ, um, vague prayers get vague answers. You pray real generically, you can kind of generically assume, oh, I think God answered that. I don't know what, you know, I'll just attribute that to God. It was real generic. God, do something good today. Do something, I, I don't know, but we, we pray vague and, and we get vague answers. You get specific with God, and you're going to get some specific answers. But again, that requires an earnestness. That requires faith, a righteousness. And then we can get real specific here. But see, um, you know, Nehemiah knew he was, if this, anything was going to happen here, his boss was the king of the empire, and he's a servant to the king of the empire. Somehow he knows it's going to have to go through Artaxerxes if he's going to get anything done. And so he begins to pray for favor, specifically with Artaxerxes. Not only does he need his permission, he needs his resources to go do what he did. And so he began to pray for some very specific things. And you and I, if we want to see breakthroughs, we need to start, you know, the first step might even just be praying, God, what's the game plan here? What, what do I need to get a breakthrough here? We might just be praying for that. Give me your plan for a breakthrough here. Um, specific breakthroughs require specific <coughs> requests. Nehemiah, I think, had a game plan, and he knew, hey, the first domino that has to fall in this is this king has got to grant me favor here. He's got to give me leave of absence, paid leave of absence with unlimited access to kingdom resources. You know, real small but specific <coughs> requests is basically what he came away with here. So you and I want a breakthrough. You've got to figure out what's, what's the first steps here we need to take. And, you know, I remember a time... Something that led to one of the greatest financial breakthroughs that, that my wife and I have experienced. Been in ministry for 20 years now and uh, never had until just last year we started putting a little bit of money in IRA. Never had uh, huge amounts of savings or, you know, no Swiss bank account. Um, we do drive, uh, you know, I drive a very nice uh, 1995 used Subaru car that I got. But, uh, you know... We just have been trusting God. Seek first his kingdom. He's going to take care of our needs, and he always has. There became a time where people in our movement of churches were saying, hey, by the way, pastors, you probably ought to save away for retirement. You know, you heard about that. A lot of people do that. Um, and we started thinking, oh, we haven't done that. We've got to have money for that, you know, things like that. And so, uh, but we've, uh, you know, often one of the investments we've had is just our house that we live in. And we, we move based on what we think God wants us to do to better serve his kingdom. And I remember a time where we had our house in the Highlands neighborhood, and it was a three-bedroom, three two-bath, 
and pretty small square footage. And again, we had Rory and Graham and Justice, and then Judah showed up, and then Garrison, and these kids kept showing up, but our house did not get any bigger. And they started growing in, you know, in volume and different things like that. And we began praying, Lord, we need a breakthrough in our housing. And, and we had tried once, and yet we'd gotten some counsel and advice, so co-pastors and, and such, that said, you know what? You live in real close to the church location there. It's probably a real good anchor. It's probably not time for you to move. And, and we had found a few houses we thought were for us. And, and you know, we decided to put it on hold because it didn't seem like God, through the channels that, you know, he was speaking to us through his word and through advice, counsel, and it seemed like it wasn't the right time. But later we revisited the whole thing. About a year and a half later, and one of the houses we looked at was back on the market again, and the price was coming down. And so we, we sought advice again about moving, and, and people seemed to think, you know, it seems like the church is established there. You can move a little farther away. Life will probably go on fine for everyone. And so we found this house, and we started getting specific. We had four specific prayers. We said, Lord, we got to buy that house. we got to lowball them. The price has come down $150,000 from what we saw it a year and a half ago, and we still got to go lower than that, Lord, for the numbers to work. And so we said, Lord, if you're in this, they got to accept a lowball offer from us. And we went in about 15, 13 to 15,000 lower than a number that had already dropped significantly, and they accepted it. And we were like, okay, wow, uh, God might be in this breakthrough. And, but we also said, we got to sell our, our house for uh, a highball. You know, we got to go high here. This was in the Highlands neighborhood. And the only reason we bought a house was a first time home buyers program. You only needed $1,000 down. So we had a credit card. We took $1,000 out of that. We put a down payment and that got us in our first house. And, and so we're thinking we got to sell, we got to maximize the sale on this. This house has got some things it needs fixed on. We were just like, we're not even sure. Um, we think our wall is going to tumble over and, you know, who knows how. Eventually, though, um, the ad, we, we said, Lord, we got to be able to sell high. This is the number we got to sell at. And we got an offer for that number. And the inspections that they put in on it, you know, the requirements were very gracious. And so we got a low ball, got a high thing. Then eventually we were like, Lord, the house we're buying here, one of the reasons the price is going down is because it had foundation issues that scared people off. And, and they scare us off, too. So um, unless the civil engineer or someone checks this off, we can't do it, Lord. You've got to have a, an engineer say, this is okay to, to live in, to buy. So we hired an engineer, and he checked it out. He said, yeah, there's some things here, but you'll be fine. They're minor things. And, and so we checked that off. And the last one was the house needed some repairs. The entire house was painted bright yellow, 4,000 square feet of bright yellow. It was very... Uh, painful to look at, like literally painful. I mean, the sun shining in there. It was like, wow. Um, it had a lot of things it needed, and we had no money. We just had enough money to make the down payment that we needed to get into the house. Uh, but we heard about this loan that you can get that tax on your mortgage and um, all these different things to qualify for. But we're like, Lord, specific prayer number four, we need to be able to remodel this house if we're going to live there. Or we need some really good sunglasses or something. I don't know. But, uh, and through the process, we got approved for this loan that gave us remodel money. And so we were able to remodel and move in. We had this house, and we had hundreds of people in and out of our house through a couple years there. But uh, as we started praying about starting a south location here, um, we eventually realized, you know what? We need to probably spearhead the effort to move down there and start this location. We're going to have to put our house on the market. And, you know, we didn't know exactly what its value was, but by the time we put it on the market, Real estate in the Highlands neighborhood had skyrocketed, and, and our home in about three years doubled in value from what we bought it at. And 
and our real estate, our mortgage guy said, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've never seen a house turn around like yours in the amount of time that it did. And God gave us one of the largest breakthroughs financially we've ever had. And, and it, I think it started with prayer and it had very specific requests. And God gave some breakthroughs, some God-given miracles. Really, Morgan and I documented the whole thing as miracles. And the point in all of this is, is whatever breakthrough you're looking at, we're going to have to get specific. You're going to have to lay out some milestones. Um, Nehemiah knew he needed King Artaxerxes, the ruler of the empire of the world at the time. He needed his permission, his backing. You might have some things that you go, maybe you think they're bigger than that. But we're talking about <laughs> breakthroughs, miraculous breakthroughs from God here. So again, just a quick review. We need to identify what is that area. You're looking for a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough, or God wants a breakthrough. We need to determine what's it worth to you. How serious are you? And then we need to pray. We need to pray seriously. We need to pray righteously. And we need to pray specifically. And I think that's going to prepare the way for the breakthroughs that God wants to give us powerfully and graciously. And so that's our assignment for, for this week. Go identify them. Go determine what you're willing to do for this. And, uh, and then we're going to come back next week and look at chapter 2 and some ways to begin some of these action steps here. So anyways, I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer here. And we'll call it a morning.